0: Church family, you guys are a fine-looking group of people. Good to see you guys this morning. Let's dive right in, if we could. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 10. You guys enjoying this series all in? I am so much enjoying it. I'll tell you what, the preparation for this has just stirred me, taught me so much. I love it. But I want to just start by saying that. Today's reading in Acts 10 is significant on many accounts. I mean, outside of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Acts 10 is the most, or the other climatic point in the book of Acts. Because what the Bible teaches us in this text is that God is giving an invitation to all people, to all tribes, all nations. All languages, all people are being given the opportunity to put their faith in Jesus Christ and receive salvation, not just the Jews. And I love that we're talking about this on Sunday leading up to Christmas because this was a prophetic fulfillment of what was said by the angel of the Lord in Luke chapter 2 verses 10 and 11 when the angel says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for, watch this, all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Friends, Jesus came to this world to save the world. And here in Acts chapter 10, we start to see the evangelization of the world. And it begins with God giving a vision to a Gentile. Now, for those of you that are not familiar with what a Gentile is, a Gentile is just someone that is not Jewish. Now, you may think, well, why is that so significant? Well, that's significant because before Christ came, the covenant of Abraham was only for the Jews. The Gentiles were the outsiders, and they were treated as such. They weren't allowed in the temple, well, with the exception of the outermost portion uh, where they were in the courts of the Gentiles, they were allowed there. But the Jews and the Gentiles, they didn't eat together, they didn't worship together, and really they didn't even associate or talk with one another. But now it's a new day. I said it's a new day. Jesus comes and he offers what both the Jews and the Gentiles need, which is salvation, redemption, forgiveness, and healing. Not just for one group of people, but for all people. So why don't we just dive into God's word and see what it wants to teach us this morning. You should be in Acts chapter 10 by now. I'm going to read you about the first eight verses. The scripture reads, at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all of his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror, and he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended with him, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So, chapter 10 starts with this man named Cornelius. And something that you need to know about Cornelius was that Cornelius was a Gentile. And not only was he a Gentile, but he was a Roman centurion and a commander of the Italian regiment of archery. But despite being a Roman, Cornelius was also a worshiper of God. He was a Jewish proselyte who was known and was respected by the Jewish community. Now, there are about maybe 40 more verses uh, to the rest of Acts chapter 10. I just read you the first eight, and so i just kind of like to maybe give you the cliff notes on the next 40 verses, and then I want us to circle back around to the first eight verses that I just read you. And so starting in verse 9 throughout the rest of, of the chapter, God speaks to Cornelius, and he sends two of his servants along with a soldier to, to find Peter and to bring him back. But meanwhile, God is preparing Peter's heart for this encounter because in a similar manner as Cornelius, Peter was also praying and God also showed him a vision. And in that vision were all kinds of animals, reptiles, and birds. And the voice told Peter, kill and eat. Only Peter says, by no means, Lord, I've never eaten anything common or unclean. Then the voice said, what God has made clean, do not call common. Then the scripture says that Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision might mean. Let me just stop here for a second and say, there will be times in life where God will show you something, but the understanding won't come until later. Let me just give you a few examples, if I could, ones that I very much felt led uh, to, to share with you. Like, you may not understand why you felt led to leave your job. Like, it just doesn't make sense. After all, you're making more money now than you've ever made in your entire life. Or maybe you don't understand why that relationship ended. You thought this was someone that was going to be in your life forever, but now they're no longer apart. Or maybe you don't understand why God would lead you to give in an offering, hello, during the Christmas season. After all, this is the time of year where we have so many other things that we have to pay for. By the way, can I just say that this one, at least for this particular season in my life, is one that I can relate to? Because I, me being vulnerable, being honest, because this year, you guys know I own a business. I, I took a big, big hit in, in my business this year. And so when I was praying about what to give for today's legacy offering, uh, the amount that I felt led to give was a sacrificial amount. Like, I was like, okay, God, I, 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 we'll, we'll do this. I mean, it was something I was definitely going to feel but then my wife comes along and says, what are you feeling for the legacy offering? And I shared it with her, and she said, huh. You know, that's always fun when you hear the Hans. Huh, I know that more is coming. And I said, well, why? What were you thinking? And she says, well, and she said, I'm, I'm thinking of two numbers. I said, well, all right. And the first number that she shared with me was double the amount that I had. And then she had another number that was double that one. <laughs> So that's quadrupled what I had. Are, are you with me? And so when I, I, I heard it, I thought, oh, man. And I thought, well, okay, we can do the double. This is the year of the double, right? I'm going to stand on that right there. And so we'll, we'll, just, we'll go with that, and, oh, that's going to hurt. And, um, but I got to tell you that I, I left, and just something was just kind of eating at me the whole time, right? And this morning I woke up, and I just I walked into my wife, and I, I just looked at her, and I said, babe, tear up that check. And she smiled real big. She goes, why? Because you want me to write the other one, don't you? And I said, I did. I do. I do. And I'm telling you this because I got to tell you, if I give that amount, um, some things is going to have to change. I mean, that's what a sacrifice means. Like, I'm going to have to legitimately start rethinking, uh, at least for a season, for a short period of time, uh, some things like um, not being able to buy those set of Titleist T300s, or even getting to go golfing, right? Or not getting to go eat out for a while, uh, or probably not buying those little foofy coffee drinks. Yes, I'm guilty, right? I know some of you men, it's black, and that's the only way you're supposed to drink it. I drink the foofy drinks. Come on, anyone else? No what? yeah, white chocolate mocha caramel brulee latte. <laughs> Guys, don't leave me hanging up here on my own. No, y'all are, you like, you're all on your own, mister. <laughs> yeah, but I knew I was going to have to change a few things, you know, and, um, but I trust That what I don't understand, God has already made provision for. And so I trust his promise that if I will give, that God's going to give back to me. And I believe that it's going to be given back in a greater measure than the seed in which I sowed it. Are you with me? Peter doesn't understand why God tells him the thing that he tells him. But as you continue to read the story, it all makes sense a little later. Because as Peter is pondering the vision and what it meant, The men that Cornelius sent showed up, while at the same time, the Holy Spirit tells Peter that there are three men here that are trying uh, to find him, and then he says, the angel says to Peter, go with them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Now, this is right here in verse 20, if you're you're taking notes, and I encourage it, and I want to pause just for a minute because I want to highlight two important things. First of all, I want you to notice where the scripture says, the Holy Spirit said to him. Friends, God desires to speak to us. But just as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we've got to be sure that we are tuned in. And oftentimes, the way that we tune in is first, tune out all of the voices that are trying to grasp for our attention at every waking moment. Remember what Peter was doing whenever the Holy Spirit spoke to him? He was praying. Now, I know there's going to be some people that's going to hear this, and you're going to think, well, God's never spoken to me. But, friends, I can tell you that with absolute consistency all throughout the Scripture, we see God speaking to those who seek him. And I know that there's many different ways that we we seek God, but prayer is paramount, was also the very thing that Cornelius was doing whenever God spoke to him. But we'll circle back around to Cornelius here in a few minutes. But the second thing that I want to highlight is what God said whenever he says, I want you to go watch this without hesitation. See, I feel like this right here is a word that the body of Christ needs to hear because there are many times that God will call you to do things in which they will require your immediate obedience. You know, as your pastor, I want to make sure that I not only share my wins with you, but also that I share the times that I've blown it as well. And uh, this is one of those times. (laughs) I remember when uh, I was about 20 years old, Jody and I, we were grocery shopping, and we didn't have a whole lot of money. Uh, No joke, I think our 1040 that year combined between the two of us was maybe $11,000, Uh, We were in school full time. Uh, Our grocery budget was $167 a month. And the only place that we shopped was Aldi. Now, Aldi has kind of gotten cool again, right? Kind of like Puma and a few other things that wasn't cool 30 years ago, right? But like today, it's become cool again, and they got organic stuff. So my wife's like, ooh, I'm going back to Aldi. I think she swore she'd never go back to that place. But um, anyway, that's the only place that we shopped because it was the cheapest place. And I, I quite literally remember us walking through the aisles, and I would always keep a calculator um, of all the things that we bought. And we always bought the cheapest thing that we could possibly buy. Their bags of chicken were, were dirt cheap. I had a lot of chicken. a chicken graveyard down here, man. I'm telling you, I ate a lot of chicken during that time. But I'm keeping track, trying to add up everything. And so Almost every time when we had our groceries together, I knew that I wouldn't have nothing but pretty much just change left over. And so we went up to the cashier, and there was a lady in front of us, and I'm kind of guessing based upon the stuff that she had, that she was probably a single mom. I may have shared this story. If you've been with me for 10 years, you may have heard this maybe a long, long, long time ago, But uh, and you'll see why this, this means so much to me. But um, I watched as she went to pay for her stuff, and she was... Shy, $7.56. And I'm looking at it, and I feel that nudge of the spirit that says, take care of it. Now, I'm sitting there thinking, I've got a bride to take care of. Like, I didn't have a credit card. Honestly, I think in 1996, I don't even think we had debit cards then. Like, we paid everything cash, right? I'm showing my age right here, okay? And I'm like, but Lord, I, if I if I pay for it, that means we're going to have to put something back in I got to take care of my bride, like, uh, you know? And so I got to be honest, I didn't do it. And I just waited, and and I watched this lady, and it still makes me emotional 25 years later. But they pulled a few of her things back, and she goes, oh, just maybe take this back. And she went ahead and took it, and she left. And so whenever it came up time for my groceries, I handed the $167 because I knew how much it was going to be or at least how much I thought that it was going to be. This is Hillbilly, Kentucky math I'm working with here, so nothing's exact, but I thought that I had it exact because I had a calculator, but I handed her the $167, and then whenever uh, she added everything back, she handed me my $7 back, and then some change, and I looked, and it was $7.50, the exact amount that I needed to give her. Now, let me say that I know that there's no condemnation in Christ, okay? I don't want you guys to think that I'm losing sleep over something that I failed to do 25 years ago. However, I don't want to miss it the next time, which is why I told my wife to rip up that check and rewrite a new one this morning, okay? See, I think that what we see in this story here is a good lesson on being obedient to God without hesitation. And it's one, like I said, I know that I can relate to. So back to our story. So Peter goes to Cornelius' house. Cornelius falls at Peter's feet in, in reverence, but Peter reminds him that he's just a man. Peter then tells Cornelius that it was against Jewish law for Peter to associate with Gentiles. However, God uh, revealed to him in a vision not to call any person common or unclean. And Peter understood that the animals were symbolic of the Gentiles who God was preparing to receive the gospel. Then Cornelius told Peter about the vision that he had. And whenever the two brought their visions together, they agreed uh, that God had brought them together And then Peter comes along and preaches the gospel to everyone in Cornelius' house. And as Peter was speaking, the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine this? Here Peter's sharing the gospel with them, and the Holy Ghost falls on the Gentiles. I'm okay, Lord, if you want to fall on your people right in the middle of my sermon. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Come on. As Toby Max said, steal the show. It's yours, Lord, right? Come on. And so the Holy Spirit comes, he falls upon them, they start speaking in tongues, by the way, that's in your Bible, just in case you wasn't sure, and it's not just something that God wanted to do 2,000 years ago, just to bring some truth to that reality. Hello, somebody with me? And then, chapter 10 concludes with Peter leading the Gentiles in water baptism. Now, I don't know about you, but watch this. Watch this. I want to see more Acts 10 in my life, in our city, in our church. I'm talking about people who do not know God, come to know God, to be filled with the Spirit, be water baptized. May the Lord send us at least a dozen for water baptism in Jesus' name. And if you've not been water baptized, it's time for you to sign up and then go out and reach others, because that's what God has called us to do. I guess you could say it this way, making disciples that go and make more disciples. But what I want to circle back around to are those first eight verses that I read to you at the beginning. Because I want us to focus on three particular points that stood out to me about Cornelius that I believe that God wants to use uh, to teach us something. Uh, Three points that I believe that should mimic the life of anyone who calls themselves a worshiper of God. And the first point is this, if you're taking notes. The Bible says that Cornelius was a devout man who feared God. And I love this first adjective that we see about Cornelius, because do you know what devout means? It means he was all in. Come on, shameless plug for our series title right there, okay? He didn't just hold to a a set of beliefs, but these beliefs were evident in how he lived his life. I guess you could say it this way. His faith and his work, they matched. Church, can I just ask you a challenging question? Does your works match your faith? I heard an old Pentecostal preacher once say that the proof of the desire is in the pursuit. You see, like Cornelius, our lives should reflect what we say that we believe. For example, if we believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, and we believe that those who do not know Christ will spend eternity away from him in a place called hell, then we should be doing something to ensure that people don't go to hell, but rather get to go to heaven. Is somebody with me this morning? Am I talking to the church of Jesus Christ? I'm not saying that you've got to get up here behind a pulpit and and, and preach a sermon, but what I am saying is that we need to all start having a meaningful conversation with those who don't know about the life, the love, and the relationship that we are offered in Jesus Christ. Scripture says that Cornelius was a devout man who feared God with all of his household. Now, I'm not sure all the things that Cornelius did that led to his entire household believing and fearing God but i think that we can at least extrapolate this his character was a determining factor and friends when we let the light and the love of Jesus shine through us in such a way that our actions become consistent with the faith that we proclaim then we will see household salvations Now, let me just give you a little bit of insight, though, about what it means to fear God. Now, if you've been to church for any length of time, uh, certainly you've heard it uh, taught many different ways, and and chances are they are all true uh, in part. So let me just share with you another part, another definition of the phrase fear God. You see, the word fear means to treat with reverential obedience. See, this right here falls right in line with what we read about earlier with Peter being obedient without hesitation. I can only imagine that Cornelius' family had witnessed him being obedient many, many times to things that God had instructed for him to do. And we know what at least a couple of those things are because the Bible mentions them. They happen to be my second and my third point. And so the second point, if you're taking notes, is this is that Cornelius was a man who gave alms generously to the people. Now, I could teach this particular point right here from many different perspectives. Like I could share with you about what King Solomon had to say about being generous in Proverbs nineteen seventeen, which says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. And he, talking about God, will repay him for his deed. And then talk about how God will bless the man and the woman who gives. I could read you what the Apostle Paul had to say in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, when he said, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And then I could talk to you that it's not about the amount, but it's about the percentage as was the case with the widow's might. Not equal amount, but equal sacrifice. And of course, I could read you from Hebrews chapter 13, 16, which says, Do not go- neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to to God. And I could come at this from the place of challenging those who have neglected to be a giver and say that it's a lack of generosity that refuses to acknowledge that your assets really aren't yours, but they're God's. And all of these would be right, accurate, and true. But I want to peel to your heart and I want to share with you what I know to be true. Not just because I read it or someone else told me, but because I've lived it. Those who are generous will have a wellspring of life coming from their soul. I can testify to what Jesus said when he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You see, when we were a child, we did childish things. And when we were a child, we always wanted to receive during this Christmas season. But as we've stepped into maturity, especially as we are celebrating the birth of the one who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for the many. As mature believers of Jesus Christ, we should go from the place of always receiving to now giving. But can I just tell you that this truth won't make sense to your intellect. And it certainly won't be appealing to your sinful nature but rather it takes faith to trust what God says about being generous. And when you do, then you will experience what it means when the scripture says to be enriched in every way. 2 Corinthians 9.11, it highlights this very thing. It says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God did you catch that last part right there? It says, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You see, this is why I said, and and you heard Christian earlier say, our giving is an act of worship because that is what it is. And now let me just give you a little bit of uh, teaching here because I want you to just, if you could, grab hold of the heart of worship. Because the first place that the word worship is mentioned in the Bible is found in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 5. And it's where Abraham says to his servants, He says, um, Stay here with the donkey while I and I and the boy uh, go over there. We will watch this worship and then we will come back to you. Now, for those of you that know the story, this is when Abraham went to Moriah to offer his son Isaac uh, as a sacrifice that whenever he told his servants what they were going to do, he said, we are going to go worship. Friends, worship has always been connected to sacrifice. Always, always, always. And here's the thing about sacrifice. Sacrifice is an adversary of convenience. And in most all circumstances, it will stand in opposition to what our flesh desires. But what worship is meant to be is when we bring our hearts and our minds in alignment with the life and the nature of Jesus Christ. Because the one in whom we call Lord and Savior has shown us what it means to be a giver and to be a worshiper and to exemplify what a sacrifice is to look like. Because you know what it's to look like? It looks like laying your life down for others. It's considering the other person over yourself. It's saying yes when you could say no, and it's saying no when you could say yes. In short, it's putting first what should be first, no matter the cost. And I find it interesting that the angel of the Lord said to Cornelius, Cornelius, your prayers and. Catch this, your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. I mean, one might expect to hear from the angel of the Lord to say, oh, Cornelius, your prayers have, have gotten God's attention. But the angel here says that his giving is what God's got, also got God's attention and ascended as a memorial before God also. Church, did you know that your generosity moves the heart of God? Again, as I said earlier, our giving is connected to our worship, and that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I want us to look at the third and the final point that we see from the life of Cornelius. Cornelius prayed continually to God. The word Continually means that he never stopped praying, much in the same manner as Paul instructs us to do in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, pray without ceasing. Now maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, how can someone pray continually? Well, let me ask you something. What is prayer? That'll only take a few hundred hours to scratch the surface on that lesson, right? <laughs> how about I just give you a real simple definition? Prayer is communion with God. And watch this. When we begin to see it that way, it changes our perspective because then prayer becomes more than just a routine or something that we just check off of our list because the heart of a follower of Jesus is to never break communion with God. Therefore, we are to stay in a constant state of prayer, of readiness or communion with him. King David says it this way in Psalm 16.8. He says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Hmm. Perhaps this is what Jesus meant when it says we ought always to pray and to not lose heart. And I believe the reason that we have people in the church today that are losing heart is because they've stopped praying. There's a clear connection between those who continually pray and seek God and those who are steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And can I just share something with you that I've found to be true in almost every instance? You know, I've found that you can have a conversation with someone and in about five minutes, you can tell if they've not prayed because people who pray are unmovable. They're unshakable. Now, I'm not saying that they're perfect, okay, because no one is perfect, but they don't allow the things of this world to distract them or to deter them from the things of God and the purpose of God. They fix their eyes on Jesus, and from that place, they live, they move, and they have their being. As I mentioned earlier, I I find it interesting that God gave a vision to both Cornelius and Peter, both during times of prayer. But then again, as I recall all of the events that lead up to Acts chapter 10, we can see that in every instance that God moved powerfully, it was the result of prayer. I've shared this with you so many times that anytime you see a miracle, if you trace that genealogy of that miracle back, you're going to trace and find at the root of it someone prayed. As a matter of fact, like leading up to Acts chapter 10, like look, Acts chapter 2 And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit during Pentecost came during a prayer meeting. Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John were on their way to go up to the temple and and to pray, and the lame beggar was there. Remember the story? We talked about it not too long ago, and asked for alms of them. They said, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, we give you. He says, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. It came during the hour of prayer. Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were arrested and released, and then they prayed for boldness, and they were filled with boldness, and then the scripture says the place where they had gathered was shaken. In Acts chapter 6, they prayed and selected seven men in whom they would lay hands on and sent them out to do God's work, and then the Bible says that the word of God went out and the number of disciples began to multiply. Acts chapter 8, Peter prays for those who received Christ as Lord, and they get filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 9, Peter goes to Lydda where he hears about Tabitha's death. Remember, a.k.a. Dorcas, right? <laughs> and he sends everyone out of the room. Then he kneels down and does what? Praise. And he speaks to Tabitha's dead body and says, Tabitha, arise. And then we see the first resurrection at the hands of the disciples. And now that we've wrapped up Acts chapter 10, again, we see God move by showing visions to two men who were praying and seeking God, which led to the evangelization of the Gentiles. And can I just tell you that in the upcoming, spoiler alert, the upcoming chapters, there will be a continuation of what we've already read, which is God calling his people to do things that could only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yet this power was almost always preceded by prayer. And I just want to end this morning by saying that in the book of Acts, there's 28 chapters. Now, you and I, we get to live the 29th. We get to continue the work which was laid out here in the book of Acts 2,000 years ago. And for us as a local church body, Destiny Church, we get to continue to be a part of the next 10 by building upon the foundation of the 10 that we've already laid, which now leads me to this. For the last four weeks, I've been asking you guys to, to pray, to pray To prepare and to participate by giving your best sacrificial gift to our legacy offering. Now, for those of you that may be just joining us, let me just tell you what that is. That is a special one-time offering that we're going to start doing. Um, It's going to be an annual thing every year. Come every December, we're going to take a legacy offering, and we're going to pray about what that is supposed to go to with each given year. It'll be something I'll pray about with our our elders and, and staff. But um, this year, and by the way, it's for the sole purpose of sowing into the next generation. Anything that we pick for upcoming years as well is going to all be for the sole purpose of us sowing into the next generation and future generations. But specifically, this year's offering is going to go towards a church home for Destiny Church. Amen. Amen. I'm glad that a few people are excited about that watch this. I'm talking about a place where we can worship, a place where we can serve our community, a place where we can make more disciples, a place where we can pray, a place where we can have weddings. That'll save you a bunch of money right there, okay? Go go try to find you a venue on a wedding. Guess what? We're going to make that available to our church body, okay? A place where we can Uh, when our loved ones pass, we have a place to be able to do that ceremony that's going to cost you nothing also. Are you with me this morning? A place where we can fellowship. A place where we can give food to those who need it. A place where we can provide clothing to those who need it. Friends, I've got a list, I mean pages long and full of vision of things that I believe that God has called us to. And while we're thankful for the temporary meeting place that We have here at Regal, thank God we've got somewhere to meet, we know that God has more in store for us. Now, what I believe is our next steps is for us to give towards this, for us to make this dream and this vision a reality. And so what I would like for us to do now is I want to just take a moment and pray. And then after I pray, uh, the worship team is going to lead us into worship. And then the ushers are going to start passing the buckets around the room, and then I'll come back up, and uh, I will close this out. And so I just want to ask you guys, if you would, to just join me in prayer uh, right now. And um, let's pray real quick. Bow your heads with me. Father, oh, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We recognize, God, every good and perfect gift comes for heaven above, Lord. And God, we will say thank you for all of eternity. Thank you for all that you've given us the privilege to be a part of here, Lord, for the last 10 years. I only pray that we've been faithful with the resources that you've given us, but even more, the people that you've given us. I know that many have been praying over today's offering. And for many, today's gift is, is a sacrificial gift. And so, Father, I ask that you would bless each and every person who gives toward this cause, your cause. Destiny Church is your church, Jesus. Always has been, always will be. And so we say to you, use us. Use us for your glory. Not to us, but to your name. The name that is above every name, Jesus. And all of God's church says amen and amen come on let's worship and then let's worship with our giving